podcast family, as you know, for the last several years, we're still in this battle with the opioid epidemic. I mean, even though we've got opioid task force and it's a issue of national attention, the truth is, unfortunately, I just don't think we're we're making a lot of progress here. I mean, it's bad and it's devastating, especially when someone loses their life due to illegal or illicit use of something that otherwise has great value in medicine. I mean, opioids do have a great role, but of course, because of their abuse and misuse, now we're all paying the price. Well, we've known about the opioid issue now, of course, for several years. But do you know that there's actually a type of opioid that you can actually get at the counter when you put gas? Yeah, it's true. And it's available all throughout the country and globally. And still, as of August the 1st, 2023, it's completely legal. But this is now in press and is making a lot of headlines. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. So in this episode, we're going to talk about Kratom because it is now involving perinatal populations. And we still don't know a lot of this synthetic opioid derivative. But the truth is, it, this is easy to find online. There are coffee shops that can have this as special teas to fight anxiety. And we've got to educate ourselves on what Kratom is, what its limitations is for use, what the FDA says about it, and most importantly, as women's healthcare providers, how it affects pregnancy. So in this episode, we're going to get to a lot of info surrounding Kratom, this over-the-counter, legal, and easily accessible form of synthetic opioid. Ready? Let's get to Kratom and pregnancy now. Medicine moves real fast. We're here to help us all keep up the pace. This is Clinical Pearls. Oh my goodness, before we go into the real data here, I'm, I'm at the hospital, I'm going to send this to the crew and of course I'll package it and put it out. But uh, I'm at the hospital, I just passed a buddy uh, in a different discipline, not OBGYN, I said, hey man, have you heard of, uh, what, what is Kratom? Uh, he said, what? I said, Kratom. And he said, oh, is that the thing that Superman is allergic to? I'm like, you're killing me, man. You're killing me. What? I'm like, like you're talking about kryptonite? He's like, oh yeah, kryptonite, right. No, I don't know what Kratom is. Okay. Now, great physician. I mean, super nice bedside manner, very evidence-based. But this is my point here. I mean, this is somebody in practice who's not like, who didn't just graduate residency, you know, last month, because uh, it's August. I mean, somebody out in, pre- in residency for some, uh, from, pre- from residency for some time now, and had never heard of this. I'm like, you never heard of, what, what is Kratom? And I spelled it out for him. He's like, no, man, I don't know what that is. He says, is that some kind of pregnancy thing? I'm like, oh my goodness, dude, it is a the thing you can buy this thing over the counter and i went to the whole spiel and i said basically it's an opioid he's like oh you can buy that without a prescription over the counter so again it, it, this is why we're doing this it's all about education i'm telling you i know that there are pas there are np there are midwives there's great meaning well-meaning physicians out there who've never heard of this thing and unless you ask a patient hey are you taking any weird supplements or what are you taking uh we need to talk about it, especially if you're pregnant we got to open up that channel of communication because they may think it's totally fine i mean it's, overall you can get it over the counter right i mean it has to be safe um and, and while that's totally okay for the majority of things like Tylenol that's over the counter acetaminophen all you know ibuprofen but but weird herbal supplements unless patients know that they're not regulated and and more importantly could affect the opioid receptor for their child uh they, they may take that and potentially have a child that's 
uh, undergoing exposure and could suffer withdrawal. So I just wanted to throw that out there that, yeah, no, no, this is not kryptonite. And we both kind of, you know, laughed at that. Like, oh, my goodness, man, you got to listen to the episode. He's like, yeah, all right, I'll take a listen. So Kratom, K-R-A-T-O-M, is not what Superman is allergic to. Well, I've said before, I really do love our podcast community. I mean, I love that we can reach out to each other and just kind of just build each other up, support each other, and bounce ideas off one another. So just today on August the 1st, 2023, I received this message uh, from one of our podcast family members. That's actually the whole reason that we're doing this episode. So Nancy writes, quote, I'm looking for information on Kratom. Our pediatricians here in Florida are seeing some issues with babies whose mothers are using it during pregnancy. We ask if mom has taken it during pregnancy as part of our database. I need to educate my staff, that includes nurses, NPs, and PAs, on its use and what could potentially affect the baby. Do you have anything that I can use? End quote. Well, Nancy, of course I do. I mean, we've been following this, honestly, for about two years now because this really is relatively new on the scene. I'm talking about like the last, what, five years. Now, it's been around for a long time, but it's only been in print really since about 2017. And yeah, that data is coming and it's coming fast. I think that people get into some trouble because, you know, this thing is a natural product, right? Let's say it's a botanical and we'll get into the uh, pharmacokinetics here and where this thing is derived from. But it's a natural product, right? I mean, how bad can it be? But then we have to remind ourselves, uh, coca leaves are totally natural uh, and yet we get cocaine from those. So you can take a perfectly good and otherwise healthy medicinal product like coca leaves that's been used uh, for, for decades. I mean, for centuries, really, uh, and then make that something into something that is illicit, illegal, and, and potentially very dangerous. So just because it's natural doesn't mean it's automatically good for you. And this is where the slippery slope is. Now, I'm going to get into a lot of data here, but it really is surprising that this is at some gas stations right there on the counter. I mean, you can go in and ask for a Kratom tea in a lot of, of specialty tea places, and it's completely unregulated. And it's also potentially potentially very dangerous. Now, we've done a lot of research on this over the last two years. And so when Nancy brought up this question, we were ready to go. But it really is kind of surprising because you really do have two camps here. On the one hand, you have the big uh, Kratom uh, organization. The, yes, there's a Kratom national organization that's so pro uh, Kratom that, they're, that they say, say it's always completely fine. There's nothing here. Uh, it's all smoke and mirrors. This thing is a natural product. And of course, on the other hand, uh, at the other extreme, you've got like the FDA that's sending out you know warning letters to companies uh, and to the public. So we're going to cover all of this. But it's amazing that that this thing really is very polarized. And if you're asking where I stand, uh, I've got to be evidence-based here, guys. I do believe that this is potentially dangerous. Like everything else, taken in the right amount and under supervision, which is not how it's being done, potentially could be helpful. However, it's lack of regulation and it's potential contaminants because, yeah, please don't buy medicine at a gas station, probably not the best or the safest. But nonetheless, uh, we know that there's a variety of things that are over the counter that, uh, that are available 
uh, and that potentially could be dangerous. So yes, there is some truth here that there are some real biological properties here that could be helpful, and we'll get into those in a minute. But I have to stick with the evidence-based and, and governmental oversight answer, which is as of right now, according to the FDA, there is no known medical application, no known medical use for this synthetic opioid product. Yes, this thing is making the news circuits because on July the 24th, 2023, what is that, just a week ago, this got picked up, of course, by NPR, and it's on a variety of other news outlets, including the New York Times. And the reason that this made headlines is because for the first time here in the U.S., there actually was a jury award against one of the manufacturers of Kratom for wrongful death, all right? And if you're thinking, well, what does that mean? Well, easy. I mean, families sued the company for selling this thing without regulation, and the jury awarded it. This is out of Washington State. awarded a $2.5 million verdict, and this was the first Kratom wrongful death here in the U.S., all right? So we're talking about uh, just in July 2023, this thing is is now making media circles and it's getting people's attention. So this was once kind of, you know, underground on the down low. You know, you can go get your little Kratom tea because I'm a little anxious to take a little Kratom tea. Uh, but yeah, when people die, it, it gets people's attention. And I'll post a link to this story from NPR in our reference list. I do want to get into the FDA warnings that have come out. But before I do, when I say that this is relatively new on the scene, I mean, it really is. So we did a literature search going back through several databases. And honestly, before 2017, the only place that we mentioned that we found a, a literature piece that mentioned kratom use in pregnancy was one retrospective report from a poison center in Thailand. Okay, so let me give you this reference because it's it's kind of obscure and it's from November 2013, and then in 2017 onward, then a lot of things started coming up about this use, and then the FDA alerts started happening. But this paper from November 2013 came out of the Journal of Psychoactive Drugs, and the title was Crantum Abuse in Poison Center in Thailand, a Five-Year Experience, okay? And in this uh, this five-year review, there is a case report where uh, a child was born with some, basically what sounds like a, a opioid withdrawal that was given, quote, supportive measures, end quote, uh, but that's pretty much all that's mentioned there, all right? And it states, quote, that the baby had withdrawal symptoms symptoms uh, from being delivered from a chronic kratom-abusing mother, end quote. And, and that's really it. And again, this was back in 2013. But then 2017 came and boom, all the gates opened with all of this new warnings out, uh, as it should be, regarding this new device, or remember, this new medication, rather. So remember, we're now in 2013, so from 2017 to now, we're just talking about literally in that five to six year time frame this this real you know release of information uh, and really precautionary tales uh, for use uh, of this over the counter supplement. All right, everyone, just to clarify something, because I did say this medication, right? It's not a medicine. Remember, this is not regulated. Medications would be otherwise regulated, but this falls under uh, herbal supplements, all right? And we all know that herbal supplements don't go through the same FDA rigorous trials or regulation or approvals. So I'll be very clear, under the FDA's guidance, this falls under a herbal supplement. This whole story really does not go all that far back. 2016, 2017, as we mentioned, that really is a kind of the push 
towards more awareness uh, of what this thing actually is. In 2016, the FDA attempted to list Kratom as a Schedule One control substance, but that resulted in such an outcry from the pro-Kratom advocates that honestly, I mean, the investigation kind of went to a halt and there just wasn't that much data out there to base any decision on. So everything was inconclusive. Then fast forward two years from that in 2018, the FDA released a report of 36 Crandom-related overdose deaths with potential lethal interactions with other substances. In that same year, the FDA also released a warning of Kratom contamination with multiple strains of salmonella that also resulted in about 199 people being infected across 41 states, and 38% of those infected individuals needed hospitalizations. Now, in the U.S., there are some states and some cities that have banned this this substance, this over-the-counter herbal supplement. Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, uh, California, Vermont, those actually have a ban on the sale of this. So it has to be black market, right? But in the other states, it's open and fair game. All right, everyone. Now, when I said that there were strong advocates for this, uh, I mean, it's legit. No joke. I mean, there there are definitely a there's definitely a chasm here in these between these two camps. OK, because there's actually uh, uh, several websites and it's even on stat news that I like. I like stat news. There's good stuff on there, both for medicine, technology and politics, which I really don't try to get into the politics of stuff. But sometimes you just can't help it. But on stat news under first opinion, let me read you a headline from August the 23rd, 2021. All right. So just literally about two years ago, uh, in response to the FDA's attempt to, to regulate this over-the-counter supplement, listen to this headline. Ready? FDA's Kratom ban would harm the public and damage the agency's credibility. Would it? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of the FDA's job to do that, to, to regulate items, especially some that are potentially uh, toxic and have, have potential harm, especially when they're opioid-based. And hello, we're in a opioid crisis. That's the catch here. But yeah, that's the title here. And I'll post the link in, in our uh, reference list. But out of the first opinion, FDA's cranium ban would harm the public and damage the agency's credibility. And I hope that you picked up from my little tone there that uh, I was being a little sarcastic. I mean, that's exactly the title of this of this first opinion from Stat News. But no, I don't agree with that. I think it needs to be regulated. So I want to be very clear. I think this has some real issues. People have absolutely died from this. And now we're seeing potential fetal issues that we'll talk about in a minute. Although we have a lot more uh, room to grow in our understanding of what this is, we, we do know at its core uh, how it functions because it, this definitely has an effect on the opioid mu receptor, okay? That, that's not a question. But we're going to get into, again, a lot of the, uh, of the pharmacology here in a minute. Uh, but I want to be very clear. I, I do not think that the FDA banning uh, Kratom, or at least regulating it at some times, would somehow tarnish the agency in any way. Podcast family, I'm not trying to criticize anyone. I really am not. I mean, if, if you're a fan of this, uh, knock yourself out. Uh, I don't mean that in a literal way or a bad way. I mean, hey, you do you and that's fine. But I, I think you doing it as an individual is different than promoting it for public use. I mean, those are two different things, right? 
uh, if you're promoting it as a safety issue, then then that potentially is 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 worrisome. And that's what the FDA has sent, uh, literally stop doing this, right? Cease and desist letters to certain companies, uh, and, and they're going after them because, uh, once again, people have died from this thing. Anytime that there's a lack of regulation, it could be dangerous. So our, our team did find something from filtermag.org, all right? And I'm going to give you this headline as well, just to show you the power here of the advocacy advocacy for the, for those who, who think that this is a, a – a, a great product and great option for those in need, all right? And to be very clear, I'm not endorsing this and I'm not going against the FDA stance that is that there is no true medical application or uh, um, indication to use a Kratom for any condition, especially not in pregnancy, all right? But on filtermag.org, let me just read you this title. And just to give you an idea of how people, again, are so ingrained either in one camp or the other, and I'm giving you the four camp uh, as examples here. Okay, so this came out of December the 11th, 2018. Remember, this is, I told you, 2016, 2017, really when that push was for awareness. So right after that in 2018 on filtermag.org, here's uh, the, the headline from this commentary. Quote, fears about Krantum use during pregnancy are overblown. End quote. That's a pretty scary headline all right now this is not medical this is literally this is obviously an advocate who's like this thing is great you know it it treats anxiety it helps with chronic pain and and there's nothing to be seen here in terms of risk that's exactly what this commentary says and i'm going to read you one thing here that's that's actually a little scary ready quote lack of evidence of safety is not evidence of harm end quote so that's what their response is to the FDA poking around and looking for things. And the FDA said, hey, we have no evidence of safety of this thing in or outside of pregnancy. So filtermag.org has a response, which is lack of evidence of safety is not evidence of harm. And let me give you a little commentary here, guys, on the side note. To be honest, that's absolutely correct. However, that correct statement misapplied on a public health issue when we're facing an opioid crisis is, is a little scary and a little concerning. Okay, the last thing that I want is some uh, Kratom advocate uh, targeting my podcast. So let me be very clear. Uh, as I said again, I, I think that there are great uses for natural remedies. I'm a big fan of, of things that have been tested and found to be evidence-based. But at the same time, when the FDA says, hey, there's real concerns here and people have actually died, and now we have a very, very small a case series, very small. I'm talking like five, right? Five case reports that have been published in pregnancy uh, showing uh, neonatal withdrawal issues here. Uh, th- there may be something that's raising a flag of concern. So I'm going to give you the mechanism of action here, the pharmacology coming up next in our next section. But you know, please don't send me ugly emails. If you're taking uh, Creighton tea every day, that's fantastic. That's good. Again, what you do on an individual level is one thing. Advocating for uh, public use on a national and international level when we just don't have safety data uh, may be premature and slightly irresponsible. Hey, look, I'm all for people standing up for what they believe in. That's great. Knock yourself out. I mean, that's part of free speech, and I absolutely agree with that. But saying that concerns are overblown is is a little scary. Uh, just last year in the journal Circulation, which is from the American Heart Association, uh, this was published in 2022, and the title is High Output Cardiac Failure uh, Due to Kratom. 
Okay, this was a 24-year-old male patient who came into the ER, a classic heart failure. Uh, and when they did the complete history, what they came up with is the only thing they could tie it to uh, was Kratom. So yes, I mean, th- this has some potential here to be really bad. And remember, we're talking about in a male, but the idea is what happens in pregnancy. Now, this has some potential cardiac issues based on its dosages, and you got to read that. Uh, it actually is just an abstract um, from the AHA, from circulation, but it just points to the fact that saying that concerns are overblown is just not right. I mean, especially think about the family of this 24-year-old patient. I mean, when they read something like, oh, concerns are overblown, that means something different to them when their son was severely affected. So yeah, I mean, there, there are real issues here. We don't know the complete mechanism of action. We know that it, that it has affinity to the opioid receptor. Uh, and to be clear, we don't have like a, a whole mountain of, of, of data on it because it is so new. Which is why if you see something, put it out as a case report. I mean, the, the data that we're going to summarize here in a minute, the publication that takes a look at this systematic review of the five cases uh, is all we have right now. So that doesn't mean that things don't happen. It mean people have to take the time to write that up as a case report. So please, if you see something, I encourage you, if it's worth putting out there in the data, the more information we have about this, uh, the better, because that's what the FDA uses to mount its evidence uh, to make a judgment call on it. Kratom falls under the category of an NPS. That is a novel psychoactive substance. This is a real thing. It's a new term. Look, just like placentophagy, all right? So once somebody found, and I have an episode on that. You remember that? That was actually out of a Rolling Stone article that uh, quoted some lady who was high, of a, high as a kite in California who, who assisted with a delivery. And they're like, hey, uh, we're kind of half-baked here. Uh, that placenta looks pretty good. And they ate it. Okay, that was a Rolling Stone commentary, uh, you know, a, a self-written letter that somebody wrote into Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone published it. Then some midwife found it and said, hey, they ate their placenta. Must be something good. Never based on some kind of true medical issue. And then that became a thing. All right. Well, well, same thing here. Uh, this is something that has been around for a long time. But somebody finds something written about it, about some possible medicinal use, and then runs with it. So this is this mirrors the placentophagy story in that, well, there's no real medical basis for it, but somebody said it may be good, and then they run with it, right? And hence, on the placenta side, you know, people eat their placentas now, even though there's FDA warnings for that as well. Go figure. It's human nature. What are you going to do? So, but this follows the whole idea of somebody somewhere said, hey, there's medicinal value here and this is a natural product. And so it must be okay because it's just basically a leaf. It's a, uh, it's, it's an herbal supplement. Surely it can't be any harm. But of course, we now know that it can be harmful. Kratom is a derivative of the Mitrogenia speciosa. That's a specific kind of coffee plant. Poor coffee's getting thrown under the bus here, but that's exactly what it is. Mitrogenia speciosa. Okay, so it's in the coffee plant family and it's typically found in Southeast Asia. Now you can consume this, it's typically done orally, it's not smoked. Is not injected. Who knows what the heck would happen with that? But this is usually something that is consumed orally, okay? It's either as capsules. It can be done as tablets. You can uh, chew it as raw leaves. You can have it as tea. Uh, and there's powder extracts that you can get in a variety of different uh, flavors and options online. The two main alkaloid substances here are mitrogene pseudoindonil and 7-hydroxymitrogene. You try spelling that, right? The whole idea is that this is a mild opioid agonist with some affinity here to the mu receptor. 
Okay, so again, the two uh, ingredients in, in kratom that give it its its psychedelic and its pain relieving property uh, are mitrogene and seven hydroxy mitrogene. There are a variety of websites that I don't want to mention because I don't want to call any attention to them, uh, and they are definitely not sponsors of our podcast. Uh, but but this thing is advertised as a quote safe and natural painkiller end quote. Uh, health food stores have it. Drug stores have it. Vending machines on some college campuses. Uh, there's no prescription required, and it really is the wild, wild west uh, in regards of herbal supplements here. Okay, and the FDA again does call this a a, a medication, a supplement of concern. And if you're on that list, I mean, it's never good, right? But but they do know, even though we have a lot of gaps in our knowledge of of, it, of its true. Uh, biological principles, uh, we know that uh, that it definitely has this affinity again to the uh, mu opioid receptor, and and that is the link here to potential uh, neonatal withdrawal uh, and altered neural development. Just to be clear, this is not linked to any kind of, of specific malformation or, or birth defect patterns. This has to do with neurobehavior, all right? Because it, again, anytime that you mess with the uh, the opioid receptor in utero and it does cross into the it does cross the placenta into the child into the fetal compartment, there are potential issues here. Uh, the truth is, pregnant women are using this uh, as a natural alternative. Uh, to to opioids and for those with chronic pain uh, or those who hey drink this tea it'll make you feel better for nausea if you've been out there I've seen it for nausea vomiting of pregnancy well why I mean well, how would that even help but but there's stuff out there that's not regulated so there's these claims out there that that are problematic and, and yes this whole issue of neonatal abstinence is real it's not theoretical it's already. Uh, been published, uh, and and there's several case reports on that. We'll get into that again in a little bit more detail in just a minute. Now, if there's one thing that we are at Clinical Pearls, uh, we're not a lot of things, but one thing that we are uh, is we try to be fair balanced. We try to give a lot of different views and perspectives. You notice, let's say we're talking about anemia and pregnancy. We don't just tell you one thing, uh, you know, one piece of literature. We try to give you a well-rounded source. It takes a lot of work to do that uh, so that we can make the claim that is evidence-based and it stands uh, the scientific scrutiny, Okay. Uh, and so I don't want to give the false impression that all the website out there uh, that are selling this are absolutely just promoting this uh, with no brakes on the vehicle. That's not true. Okay, We did find Kratom.org uh, under uh, Kratom Guides. Uh, a, a very, very uh, legitimate warning here and cautionary tale for, for pregnancy. So on Kratom.org, it says, is Kratom safe while pregnant? And thankfully, it says, quote, we highly recommend you avoid using Kratom if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. And then it goes into say that while there's still a lot of limited uh, information and publications out there, uh, it, it's not sure how it definitely affects the child and because it does have the effect on, on this opioid receptor that could potentially cause uh, some issues with, with fetal uh, neurodevelopment. Good for them. So Kratom.org, again, not a sponsor, but at least they had that cautionary tale. I guess they didn't want to get on the FDA's watch list. Uh, but Kratom.org does say, hey, uh, do not use this if you're pregnant because there are some real potential issues here because it does function pretty much as an opioid and it absolutely absolutely crosses the placenta. Now, here's what's scary is that in 
unregulated dosages, this alkaloid can actually have a pretty high potency and attraction uh, to the same receptor that morphine hits, okay? So th this is why this is a problem. Now, it gets even trickier because if you try to screen for this in labor and delivery using a regular uh, urine tox, it's going to miss it, okay? Because these metabolites of kratom do not appear on a standard urine toxicology screen. You've got to order a specific test looking for these metabolites, all right? So you have to call a lab and go, hey, where's our reference lab for a kratom? I'm looking for uh, metrigenine metabolites uh, or NPS substances, and I need you to do a, a special liquid chromatography for this, okay? Uh, it's liquid chromatography and mass uh, spectro. So if you just order a regular urine screen, this is not going to be found. That's how scary this is because it doesn't get picked up on a routine standard urine test. Advocates claim for kratom use for those who have past or present substance use disorder as a way to wean off, uh, you know, like uh, their opioid and they can do this instead. Well, the problem with that is that you're just trading uh, one ill habit for another. So again, there's no evidence that this is any safer than a regular opioid because um, once again, safety data is lacking and the FDA does have those warnings on it, but this is what the advocates say, right? So some indications are past or present substance use disorder, including uh, use for pain, anxiety, depression. It's been advocated to stop or reduce opioid use and to help prevent withdrawal from uh, opioids in somebody who is dependent, okay? And the FDA has a very, very stern warning on this, and they actually sent out, you can get this online, uh, they sent this to Kratom Exchange, which is a website where you can buy this uh, this herbal supplement. And they did this last year, June 30th, 2022. And they just provide this litany of, of, of charges against this company. And this is basically a cease and desist, uh, cease and desist order, okay? And they say, quote, there are no FDA-approved applications in effect for any of the Kratom products described or for any of their indications. And some of the indications that this company states is exactly what we said. Hey, it can help you with your mood. If you are, have an opioid addiction, use this instead. Think about that. I mean, look how dangerous that is. I mean, th this should undergo a, a, a true uh, opioid detox or maintenance program. But, but if people who are at their wit's end looking for some kind of solution, they find these websites and it could potentially be very dangerous. But there is a warning letter uh, that is dated June 30th, 2022 from the FDA that was sent out and it's public access to kratomexchange.com and it is a cease and desist order. All right, everyone, let's get back to what we really want to talk about, which is this herbal supplement being used in pregnancy in the peripartum period, okay? So I'll be very clear, we do not have a lot of info here. But there was a recent publication from 2021 in the Journal of Perinatology that is a one-stop shop uh, as of 2021, okay? Because we just don't have a lot of data out there. So this was a, this, they started out with a great idea. It was going to be a systematic review uh, let's take a look what this medication does in pregnancy and its effect on pregnancy and how it affects the neonate. The problem is when they did their literature search, they had all of these things that popped up. And once they took away duplicates and things that weren't actually correct and things that kind of got uh, caught in the net by accident, you know what they ended up with? They ended up with five case reports. That's five, F-I-V-E. And so advocates for Creighton go, look, these authors published in the Journal of Perinatology tried to do a systematic review and all they found were five cases. But once again, no, those are five 
published cases. That means that people are out there and they're working, uh, you know, their butts off and they don't have time to write something up or don't have any interest in publishing, so they don't submit it. This thing is an issue, and just because it's not in print doesn't mean that there isn't a lot of awareness about it or potential harm for it. But yeah, I mean, all that they could come up with in the systematic review was five case reports. And I'm going to summarize those very quickly uh, because the short answer is here to just beat it to the punch. Uh, Nancy, th- this functions pretty much as an opioid, okay? So it's the same deal. Opioid dependence is, is a big deal here. Uh, you know, women uh, who are pregnant are using this, you know, habitually multiple times during the day. Uh, after four to six hours or so, once that metabolite wears off on the body, you can they have the same withdrawal kind of effects. I mean, that's exactly what's in this case report. And the babies have the exact same issue. Uh, and so they all get treated basically like an opioid withdrawal. So the short of it is, uh, is this safe? Well, that depends on who you ask. From the FDA standpoint is no, because anything that affects the uh, the opioid centers in the brain, just like synthetic marijuana, uh, right? Say there, there you go. I said marijuana. In a previous podcast, we said, that marijuana is technically not correct, right? We should say cannabinoids, but anything that affects the, the endocannabinoid system in the child could potentially be problematic. Well, same here. And anything that affects a potential opioid receptor in the developing brain, that obviously can be good for fetal neurodevelopment. But let me give you this reference here of this 2021 Journal of Perinatology because as of 2021, this is kind of a, a nice uh, summary of what to expect with creatinine use in pregnancy. And it's exactly what you would think as it regards to opioids. It's pretty similar. Look for withdrawal because the baby's going to react the same way. The title of this report is Outcomes of Mothers and Newborns to Prenatal Exposure to Kratom, a Systematic Review. The lead author is Mary Ellen Wright. Neonatal withdrawal is a real thing with this. Uh, One of the case reports that is in that systematic review is in the journal Pediatrics from 2018. And they present, here's the title, Neonatal Abstinence Syndrome Due to Maternal Kratom Use. And in this patient, uh, the mother had daily kratom tea ingestion uh, to treat to self-treat her opioid dependence. Well, yeah, she felt better, but of course the child was born uh, still with the typical features of neonatal abstinence syndrome. So any kind of illusion that this is somehow safer, we just got to be evidence-based and stick to the facts. Uh, it's it's not safer. But as the journal Pediatrics states, quote, whether Kratom, a legal, widely available herbal supplement, should be classified as an opioid is contentious. Although U.S. Food and Drug Administration has recently addressed this controversy, Kratom continues to be marketed as a non-opioid remedy for opioid withdrawal. Its use is increasing in the United States. We describe an infant with neonatal abstinence syndrome born to a mother with daily kratom tea ingestion to self-treat opioid dependence. They go on to say, pediatricians and parents should be aware of the risk of neonatal abstinence syndrome due to kratom use during pregnancy, end quote. Hey, good for Sacramento County who put on their website under their Healthy Beginnings program, uh, put a warning on kratom use in pregnancy out of California. So uh, good for Sacramento. Let me show you what, let me read you what they have on their, under their uh, learning center uh, regarding kratom use in pregnancy. Right there under their learning center, it says, why avoiding kratom during pregnancy matters. Well, that's pretty good, right? So it, it goes into this uh, whole little uh, patient-friendly education. And the short of it is, I love it after explaining that, hey, it has the same effects as opioids, which cause small babies and neonatal withdrawal uh, and uh, irritability in the child. 
it's very easy here under their, their section on prevention. It's literally one sentence. So good for you, Sacramento. It says, quote, Creighton in any form is not safe to use during pregnancy, end quote. And that's pretty much it. All right, podcast family. So remember the clinical pearls in this episode. This over-the-counter herbal supplement still binds to the opioid receptor. So use in pregnancy can lead to neonatal abstinence syndrome, NAS. And it can still lead to the potential for altered fetal growth like SGA or FGR based on the amount that it's taken. Now, are there studies that have looked at this long term prospectively? No, but based on its mechanism of action, it should have the same effect as chronic opioid exposure in utero. And remember also to discuss this with the those that are taking care of the neonate of, of the child, pediatrics, NICU, because if the child is just acting weird, they look like a classic NAS uh, symptomatology, but their urine screen is negative. They're like, man, I don't know. I'm kind of baffled. I mean, it looks just like this kid's acting just like it's in withdrawal, but mom's drug use was negative. Well, then either something else is going on that's metabolic or ask specifically about use of Kratom because remember, it is not detected in a routine urine toxicology screen. So that's super important to remember. All right, podcast family, we have covered Kratom and its use in pregnancy. My goodness, how many other weird stuff is out there that we don't even know about? I don't know. We don't have time to look that up. But if something does pop up and it's harmful during pregnancy or overall to women's health care, we'll be sure to cover it. Nancy, I hope that helped uh, with this info. And again, not a whole lot of data out there, but what we know is scary enough. Again, anytime that something is on the FDA watch list and the CDC's watch list, that should probably raise a flag of concern. All right, podcast family, we're thankful for you. We're glad you're part of our podcast community. And we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls.